0: It's a jungle out there. So many possibilities, prospects, and probabilities. It's easy to become overwhelmed. That's where we come Come in. Relax. We're your trusted source for expert information on sports gaming strategies and information. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. New week begins here on the morning after. Serious XM channel 204 all across the sports grid network. I'm your host Ben Stevens. This week will be a profitable week. I can guarantee you that. Why? Because we have some of the greatest guests in the entire industry joining us all throughout the week and here today on a Monday. Coming up in our third hour, we have pro football doc Dr. David Chow to look back on the injuries and how they affect the rest of the NFL slate. Also a preview of Monday Night Football with Saints reporter Aaron Summers and then of course the Vegas Perspective with our sportsbook conciliary, Dave Sharapan. Hour number two, a recap of week number eight of college football with Sports Grid CFB analyst Joe Lisi and a look ahead to the best weekend of the entire year. Yes, it is spooky season entering Halloween, but the college football slate for this upcoming Saturday, boy, oh, boy, book a seat on your couch because you are going to want to watch 12 straight hours of college football. We look ahead to those games, give you the early edges and opportunities and in this first hour where we recap major league baseball the world series stage is now set and the sunday slate of the national football week week number seven it is a new edition of the early after because right here on the morning after we are joined by one of the co-hosts of the early lawn donnie Wrightside, donnie seymour joining us here on a monday morning all the way up until 10 a.m eastern to get you set for everything you need to know from the weekend and look ahead to the week that is coming up as well. Donnie, a pleasure to be joined by you once again on this Monday morning.
1: Happy to be here. New week, new money, as we like to say. Double trouble here this morning with me and Ben Scott Stevens. Let's get it started. All three names, Donnie Right side, Donnie <laughs> Seymour.
0: I could give you four names. I absolutely love it. Your co-host, by the way, Kevin Walsh, before he checked out of the studio just a few moments ago, got me all riled up as we were talking some college football. So I look forward to bringing that energy here in this first hour. We look back first on Sunday night football from last night. An ugly, sloppy game where it was a torrential downpour in Midwest-like conditions out in the Bay in Northern California, up there in the Santa Clara area for the Niners and the Indianapolis Colts. It was a battle, Donnie, of the two best two-win teams in football where both teams needed To win, you get it, T-W-O instead of T-O. That's a little bit of a grammar pun for you on your Monday morning. And it was the Indianapolis Colts going on the road as an underdog, not only covering but winning outright, cashing in as a plus-148 underdog on that money line, beating the San Francisco 49ers by a final score of 30-18. to Also a very weird phenomenon, Donnie, due to that weather and how horrendous and ugly it was last night up in the San Francisco area. That total screamed all the way down from an opener of 44 and a half to 41 and a hook prior to kick because of what that weather looked like. And because of that regression down, the total goes way over, falling at 48. So the Indianapolis Colts, Donnie, now 5-2 and two against the spread this year, 3-4 and four straight up. A win Indy desperately needed, and they got it on the road last night on Sunday Night Football.
1: Yeah, gutty performance by the Colts last night. Also, let's keep in mind they were down in the first quarter, twelve to seven. Wentz had one of those bonehead turnovers, and they were still able to win this football game. But the one thing you can count on from a Frank Wright coach team is they're in just about every game. As you pointed out, the ATS number for the Colts—that's sometimes how we gauge it, being handicappers. But make no mistake about it: last night, going on the road in those weather conditions with an injured, in injured Indianapolis football team, down a couple wide receivers here, down a couple guys in the secondary. But Ben, I ask you this question also. If you're looking for an injured football team in the secondary and at wide receiver, maybe it was the perfect storm pun intended here for the Indianapolis Colts to go in and win that game because in the rain, what do you need? A good offensive line, a solid running game, and an athletic quarterback. Check all those boxes there for the Colts as they win 30-18 to 18 on the road over the San Francisco 49ers. As
0: we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here as well to the first hour of the morning after on a Monday morning all across the Sports Grid network, and you are listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. I am Ben Stevens. And for this first hour, joined by Donnie Wrightside. And Donnie, I think you bring up a great point because the Colts could rely on that ground game. And it felt weird calling him a veteran last night on the broadcast. But the second year running back out of Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor, had a little bit of an edge over Elijah Mitchell, who is the rookie running back for the San Francisco 49ers. Both guys, the same exact stat line Amazing. on the ground. 18 carries. 107 yards and a touchdown both for JT and Eli Mitchell on the other side. But it was huge, Donnie, I think for Indianapolis to get their Pro Bowl guard back in Quentin Nelson for a game where it was going to be ugly and you needed the run to be as beneficial as it was. So Indianapolis now has won three of their last four games. Again, a 5-2 and two ATS record, one of the best marks in all of the NFL. The Colts covering by almost 5 points per game so a huge win for indianapolis that entered sunday night as plus 154 to make the postseason the niners were plus 118 to make the playoffs but donnie the niners now have lost four straight games they are two and four straight up they are one and five against the spread and they are one and four as the favorite slight concern for san francisco on the other side
1: Yes, slight concern for sure. But also, I'm sitting on an Indianapolis Colts team total here over eight and a half, about where they would be, roughly 500 range through the first part of the season. It gets a little bit easier for the Colts. But San Francisco, they're in a little bit of trouble here and banged up. But I am a team total backer, particularly game to game to game. Don't sell short the San Francisco 49ers. Once they get Kittle back, their quarterback position gets a little bit healthier. We can use Trey Lance back in some packages here. San Francisco's going to score some points. It might not add up to wins, Ben, but they're going to score.
0: Donnie, the Niners, the preseason favorites to win the NFC West at plus 185. Now their odds currently in that division, plus 3,000, to 30-1 to win that division. The Colts play in the AFC South. It was an AFC South team yesterday with a titanic win, if you get my pun. We'll discuss more NFL on the other side of the break. Back right here on the morning after on SportsGrid Sirius XM channel 204 for this first hour with Donnie Wrightside making this a new rendition of the early after I am Ben Stevens we are going through the week seven Sunday slate across the National Football League and Donnie right now it appears that if you look at the top of the AFC each and every week you might be able to make a case for a new team being a true contender to win that conference crown, it was the buffalo bills early on then at times it seemed like the kansas city chiefs would get back to that echelon the ravens entered yesterday winning five straight but now maybe the tennessee titans have a claim to the top spot in the afc because back-to-back very impressive victories for the tennessee titans at home in the music city last week on monday night Knocking off those Buffalo Bills, then yesterday, absolutely and thoroughly dominating the Kansas City Chiefs, winning that game 21, 27 to 3, excuse me. They cover as a four and a half point home underdog, winning outright on that money line. A total of 57 and a half, Donnie, goes way under because the Chiefs seem broken. I don't know if it's like your Wi-Fi at your house where you got to unplug it for 10 seconds and then plug it back in to see if something else will work. But the Chiefs only scored three points. It was the lowest amount of points they have scored in the Patrick Mahomes era as the Kansas City Chiefs starting quarterback. The first time in Patrick's career. KC has failed to score an offensive touchdown in a single game. And Tennessee really give them the benefit on the other side, turning KC over and winning that game 27-3. to So, Donnie, my question to you is this. What do you take more stake in? Tennessee being a true contender to win the AFC crown or this being a very down year for the Kansas City
1: Chiefs? <laughs> I always thought Tennessee would be a good football team here. So even though they won 27 to 3, I take more out of this game. What is wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs at this time? I mean, the yeah. unstoppable force, right? The question was just you know, a few short years ago is How many Super Bowls would Patrick Mahomes win? Three, four, five, six? I mean, all the talent in the world. Andy Reid is there. What do they do in the offseason, Ben? Paid everybody. They keep the nucleus together over the next, what, five years. They should win a few Super Bowls. This looks like a team this year, Ben, that might not even make the playoffs. Three points in a game against the Tennessee Titans. And also taking a look at the total in this game, right? 58 and a half closing at the FanDuel Sportsbook. If you would have told me the Tennessee Titans would score 27 in the first half by themselves, what is this final score? 52 to 45 when it's all said and done. Kansas City couldn't move the football. And dare we say, Ben, the MVP of the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, because they can't do anything without him in the backfield. They better get it started, and they better get it started quickly here coming up against the Giants. But as I talked about earlier with Kevin, everybody loves to bet the Chiefs. Oh, no way. Chiefs probably a dog this week. Nope. Chiefs minus 10 versus the Giants at home everybody loves to bet the Chiefs, regardless of what they're putting out on the football field.
0: Donnie, it's got to be that feeling each and every Sunday. You look at the Chiefs, especially in a game against the Giants, like, okay, here's that time. KC will get right. Here's what we are going to expect out of the Kansas City Chiefs. And that must be the public confidence and the feeling in Kansas City. But right now... It's not the same Chiefs offense. They're turning the ball over. Patrick Mahomes is maybe taking on a little bit more than he can chew at times and that's what makes him so great, right? That gunslinger mentality, the ability to create when all else seems lost, but at times this year it has led to turnovers. Kansas City has turned the ball over then turned the ball over more I should say than every other team in the National Football League right now. The most turnovers in the entire NFL. Pat f- fumbled yesterday. Through an interception that maybe he forced rolling out to his left so a couple of questionable decisions and then obviously left that game in the fourth quarter after taking a big knock ended up passing concussion protocol but was held out of a blowout for the Kansas City Chiefs so the Chiefs now just three and four straight up Tennessee meanwhile Donnie against the spread five and two this year they were an underdog at home yesterday they have covered every game they have been an underdog in fact Tennessee has won every game outright where they have been booked as a dog so far this year so if you see the titans coming up down the stretch here in the nfl at any other point throughout the rest of this regular season although i'm not sure they're going to be an underdog except against teams like the buffalo bills and the kansas city chiefs make sure you might also sprinkle on that money line when it comes to the tennessee titans who now donnie hold a very stark advantage in the afc south divisional market because despite the colts winning yesterday on sunday night Tennessee still minus 490 right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. A very hefty odds on favorite number. To win the AFC South division. In fact, that's the second longest number of any division in the AFC marketplace as things stand. So, despite that win for Indianapolis last night, they actually got 20 cents longer in this market from plus 330 entering the weekend to now plus 350 on the FanDuel sportsbook. Not only here in the AFC South divisional market, Donnie, but also in the AFC Conference Championship market, the Tennessee Titans now 8 to 1, the fourth shortest odds to win the AFC Championship crowd. So, Tennessee looking good not only on a week to week basis, but also in the futures market.
1: No, exactly. And how about this? Like, look how much you just went over that last minute to minute and a half. Like, you know, Tennessee's a really good football team. If they can get some stops, their offense is elite. They just knocked off the Bills, they knocked off the Chiefs. And then we have to remember they lost to the Jets. This team lost to the New York Jets this year, and we're pricing them to be favorites, but rightfully so. But also keep in mind, the ebbs and flows of the NFL, how healthy are. Because remember how injured they were versus the Jets. But also now looking up yeah. on the horizon, they play the Colts this weekend. Very hard in the NFL. You had to get up for the Buffalo Bills. You had to get up for the Chiefs. Now you're going to have to get up for the Indianapolis Colts. hard to do it, but my, oh, my. If the Titans can go on the road and lock down the Indianapolis Colts and take a commanding lead in that division, Those Super Bowl numbers, they're going to be legit, Ben, for them to win it all.
0: And that minus 490 in the AFC South divisional market right now is going to be something more like minus 650 if they can go on the road and knock off a Colts team that has also won three of their last four games. Speaking of a division that is a hotly contested race within the AFC overall, the AFC North yesterday on full display. A great matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens At least on paper, the Ravens nearly a touchdown favorite, but it was the Cincinnati Bengals thoroughly dominating that ball game against Baltimore on the road. In the Queen City, the Cincinnati Bengals going on the road, and thanks to a very impressive offensive performance, the Bengals winning outright 41 17. A huge day offensively for Joe Burrow, 416 yards to the air and three touchdowns, and his good friend from LSU and the potential NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, Jamar Chase, eight receptions. 201 yards and a touchdown an 82 yard touchdown and now donnie when you look at the uh the offensive rookie of the year market jamar chase plus 110 as the heavy favorite nearly three dollars shorter than the guy with the second shortest odds in mac jones so the Bengals a huge win yesterday 41 17 over the ravens a very impressive showing for now the five and two cincinnati Bengals.
1: Bengals look like they're heading towards the playoffs, and you bring up the markets here for winning the Offensive Rookie of the Year, and it wasn't too long ago where... Jamar Chase, what a bust! He can't catch the football. He needs white stripes on the football. Or he's not going to be able to perform in the NFL. He is electric, week in and week out. Something about those LSU wide receivers. Justin Jefferson coming in, dominating. Now yep. Jamar Chase, eight catches, two hundred and one yards. Forty-one to seventeen win by the Cincinnati Bengals. This was a tough one because coming into the game, hey, you see the, the Baltimore Ravens, see what they dismantled the Chargers. They're going to do the same exact thing to the Cincinnati Bengals. Not so fast, Burrow. Four hundred sixteen yards on the the road in a tough environment where it's so hard to beat the baltimore ravens they did that yesterday maybe the Bengals, the best team here in the afc north wild times in 2021 ben And when you look at
0: that divisional market right now, Donnie, it's still the Ravens as the odds-on favorite to win the AFC North at minus 120. The Browns still have the second-shortest odds at plus 250, and Cleveland is very banged up at the moment. Cincinnati, their odds did get shorter by a decent margin. They were plus 700 entering the weekend, now just plus 330. But the Bengals still trying to earn that respect, 5-2 and straight up, Four and three against the spread, covering by an average margin of 9.4 points per game. That's something to know if Cincinnati is booked as an underdog, which they still might be in the marketplace here moving forward. If the Baltimore Ravens are booked as a favorite, maybe stay away from that spread. Just one in four ATS this year for Baltimore as a favorite throughout this early portion of the NFL season. So the NFL Sunday slate for week number seven, we put on pause for just a moment because it's also still October, which means it's postseason baseball. The World Series is set. We look at those series prices on the other side of the break. Welcome back to the morning after on your Monday morning right here on Sirius XM channel 204 all across the sports grid network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. And for this first hour, the morning after transforms into the early after because we are joined by one of the co-hosts of the early line, Donnie Wrightside. each and every weekday morning right before us here on TMA. The early line gets you set 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern right here on the grid and Donnie brings some of that perspective from the early line here to the morning after. And Donnie somehow some way, it is Monday, October 25th. I don't know how we are already this deep into the autumn portion of our calendar, but we are. So, we are in potentially the best sports month of the entire year. The NFL, college football, NBA action, NHL action, and of course, postseason baseball. And right now, it is the Fall Classic. The World Series has been set, and we know the two teams taking part. In Houston, It'll be the Astros and the Atlanta Braves, both teams taking care of business over the weekend in their respective game sixes in the ALCS. First, the Astros knocking off the Red Sox on Friday night, and then in the NLCS, the Atlanta Braves taking care of the entire season-long World Series favorite, Los Angeles Dodgers, in game number six in Atlanta. So here is how the series looks in terms of a series price as we enter the World Series tomorrow night in Houston. The Astros the favorite in the World Series at minus 150. The Atlanta Braves, the underdog in the World Series at plus 125. The Astros have been a favorite in every postseason series they have played up until this point, Donnie. And the Braves have been an underdog in every postseason series they have played up until this point. So familiar territory for both of these teams, especially the Houston Astros, who are now in their third World Series in the past five seasons. Do you agree with the FanDuel Sportsbook, Donnie? Do you think the Houston Astros have the edge?
1: I do think the Houston Astros have an edge, but I got to say it's a pretty evenly priced series here for one team that we probably thought would make it into the World Series being the Houston Astros versus a team in the Atlanta Braves, Ben, which many people didn't think they would be in this predicament. Now, when we try to line up the series as itself, minus 150 for the Houston Astros, plus 125 for the Atlanta Braves, home field advantage is going to go to the Houston Astros, which usually is a big deal. They play in a dome environment. The stadium can get loud, but it is a hitter's ballpark. Looking at both sides of the equation, where we don't have a team from the Northeast. Let's just say the Boston Red Sox made it in, Ben. You'd be going from the Dome, nice, cozy weather conditions, up to Boston, which you might be looking at a 40-degree, you know, Mm 15-mile-an-hour windy night. That's not going to be the case in either one of these ballparks. So hitters should be on the horizon. Why I say that is we don't have the dominant starting pitching, or at least from a perspective of Ben, the $35 million pitcher that's going to go out and dominate and throw eight innings. You're going to look to more of the bullpen in this. Now a betting perspective for myself in the series, the way I'm looking at it, I don't have a bet on this series pre-start, which means game one. I'm looking more to game two and beyond because I have to tell you, the Braves are going to be live. If the Braves lose game one here, you're going to get an exponentially better price on the Braves to win this series. That's when I want to come back in on it. But also from a Houston perspective, They're a minus 150. If they lose the opening game, which is a good chance they can, we're looking at like a minus 130 price, you're getting a better price on the series here. So sometimes, Ben, not necessarily picking the actual winner of the series, but lining yourself up on the best price where those hedging opportunities come in, case in point. If you say, all right, I don't like the Braves in game one, I'm going to wait. So they lose game one. Now they're plus 175 in the series. They win game two and game three. Now you're looking at a plus price point here from the Houston Astros. That's the way bet I'm gonna to try to attack this series as opposed to betting pre-series what I actually think is going to happen.
0: Yeah, Donnie, I think that's so spot on because the profitability you can have on series price betting throughout any postseason series, now the focus obviously baseball, but you could take it into the NBA, the NHL, whatever it might be. It's almost live betting, right? It's not quite like an in-game scenario where, hey, we're in the second half, a team that was a favorite is down by a touchdown. No, but it's a series price live bet Where based on one game in a seven-game series, you can see huge market fluctuation. I mean, take the ALCS, for example. When the Astros lost game number four to the Boston Red Sox, they were a plus money price at plus 176. That was huge for Houston then to bounce back in that series. They won game five. They won game six boom and they were the series favorite entering they were a heavy series favorite after game number five and headed back to houston but at a point they were plus 176 that's a beautiful plus money price on a team that was favored the entire year pretty much to win the american league and after that game number five win against the boston red sox dipped into the minus money category as the odds on favorite to win the world series they were minus 105 at that point They are minus 150 right now. It's also an interesting line when you compare it to the series spread. Now, the series spread is an indication of what team is going to win this series and by at least... Two games or more. So the Houston Astros are favored by a game and a half in the series spread. But if you think Houston can win this series in game six or earlier, it's plus 126. If you think the Braves keep this a tight series, then it is plus one and a half for the Atlanta Braves. And that's a minus 156 price tag that you have to pay in terms of the juice on the series spread. I am also always fascinated, Donnie, by the series total games market because you're not necessarily predicting a winner But based on how short the series price might be, based on how short, for instance, the game one odds might be, it's an indication from the FanDuel Sportsbook that this series could potentially go the distance or at least deep into the series. So, for instance, the shortest series total games price right now is for this series in the World Series to go six games at plus 200. If it were to go all the way to seven games, that is plus 210. So, Donnie, how long do you think this World Series between Atlanta and Houston goes?
1: It could be interesting to look at, but if I'm looking at a price point here, as you brought up, let's just say, you know, four games, I I doubt there's going to be a sweep here. It's a 5-1 to price. It's a nice payout. I just don't think that's viable here. But there is legitimate thought here between possibly a team winning this 4-1 to because that's where your next highest price point will come from at a plus 290. I think most people coming into the series, Ben, will probably agree, Six or seven games probably makes the most sense. But sometimes in gambling, there's a reason why all of these are priced in the way they are priced. Seven games is hard to get to it. They two evenly match teams, probably so. But I doubt it gets to a seven-game series. If I'm looking today here, and if I see, let's just, you know, game one where Houston rolls five to one. So okay, now the pressure is going to be put onto Atlanta because you get down 2-0. Next thing you know, that looks like a very viable thing. Game five plus 290 for me is the best price point in this as opposed to looking at a six or seven. Sometimes you got to be a little bit contrarian because, as I said, again, if you ask people before the series starts oh, nobody's going to blow anybody out. I don't see a sweep, but there's a legitimate chance for me that these teams are that talented where one team gets hot. They can put away the other in five games here. Plus 290 is a nice price for that.
0: And when you look across all the buffet of options you have for betting on the World Series in the series market itself, it doesn't just need to be that series price. And you will see some glorious plus money prices there where Mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be a full unit play. It could be a quarter unit or a half unit based on what you might think. Is the most likely outcome and when it comes to the series correct score market where you not only predict the amount of games but the actual winner of the world series who will be that world series champion there are some very hefty plus money prices but all of those at least the three shortest in the series correct score market in the favor of the houston astros the two shortest for the atlanta braves in six games and seven games at the same price at plus 550 the shortest for the houston astros is in six games at plus 420. So you could look at the series spread where you could take the Astros minus a game and a half at plus 126, or you could think that Houston wins this in five games, six games, or seven games and go find a little bit of a sprinkle on a huge plus money price. But the reason, Donnie, that I think game six and game seven in the series total games market are the shortest is because then you look at game number one and we have the houston astros at home hosting the opener in the world series it will be Framber valdez on the mound for the houston astros going up against charlie morton for the atlanta braves houston only a slight favorite at home for game number one of the world series at minus 130 the atlanta braves plus 110 the over under total for game number one currently is eight and a half it's a great matchup between Charlie Morton and Framer Valdez but Donnie I think it also speaks to your point that we're not getting a Garrett Cole here we're not getting a Max Scherzer here even the ace of the Astros rotation in Lance McCullers Jr. did not make the ALCS roster so we're not getting an outstanding pitching series matchup but two pretty good arms going that covering off two pretty good starts for both Charlie Morton and Framer Valdez in game number one
1: no, and I agree with you there. So you take a look here, you know, across the land. You know, we'll see where that eight and a half goes at the FanDuel Sportsbook if that drops to an eight, because I do think there will be value. This series translates for me more or so of like Boston and Houston, two ballparks yeah. where you can hit at two teams without the elite front end starting pitching and two very good hitting lineups. Let's keep in mind here that Atlanta Braves lineup transforms very well in an American league ballpark where you have one through nine in both of those lineups. There's not a lot of auto outs. And again, I still can't get over the fact we're not talking about playing games in Oracle park in San Francisco. We're at a Dodger stadium, two pitchers ballparks. You are taking a look at two of the better hitting environments in all of major league baseball. If you're going to give me an eight, or if that creeps down to an eight game in, in game one, I like the over in this because I don't think we're going to get long pitching performances out of these starters, and these hitters are elite at this time of the year in good weather. Give me the overs if you could drop down to some of those eights and stay in that eight and a half range in these games.
0: Another great point, Donnie, because in the World Series, they're not going to give you very lofty totals. We saw the resilience to do that in the American League Championship Series between the Astros and the Red Sox when they went over in five of the six games. In fact, Houston scored five or more runs in five of the six games against the Red Sox in the ALCS. And we're not talking Fenway Park in late October where guys are wearing three different sleeves. We're talking Houston in a dome, and Atlanta down in the south as well. I agree. The hitters' ballparks could be in play here for the World Series. We'll break down this matchup. We'll break down the World Series a little bit more on tomorrow's program. But right now, we flip it back to the NFL. Some big, big dogs. Two of the three took care of business yesterday on Sunday. The morning after rolls on right here
2: on The grid.
0: Right back here on the grid and the morning after. Sirius XM Channel 204 with Donnie Wrightside for this entire first hour, making it a new edition of the early after. I am Ben Stevens. We are going through the NFL Sunday slate for week number seven. One final game to round out the seventh week of this NFL campaign on Monday night tonight in Seattle. The Seahawks, a four and a half point underdog against the New Orleans Saints. But before we get to that, we look back on Sunday. And there were a couple of very Very hefty favorites yesterday, especially in that afternoon window of games on that NFL Sunday, including the reigning Super Bowl champions at home in Tampa Bay, laying 12 and a half points against the Chicago Bears. Now, raise your hand on this program if you thought the Bears could cover a 12 and a half point spread. Yeah, that was me. Don't know why I thought that based on yesterday's performance, because Tom Brady threw four touchdown passes. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers easily, and I mean easily, covered a 12-and-a-half point spread that was never in doubt, winning 38-3 to over Chicago yesterday, Donnie. Tom Brady, his 600th regular season, passing touchdown a historic day, another very impressive route for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: Yeah, maybe some people had some angles on this game. and say, Antonio Brown's down, Gronkowski's down. You know, Chicago Bears play some good defense. Not the case in this one. This was a route from Jump Street, 21 to nothing after the first quarter. Mm. 35 to three at the half as they cruised. Only one field goal was actually kicked in the second half, which if you're looking at a game, that's 35-3 to three at the break with an over-under of roughly 47. That should be a stone-cold over, but not so fast on the <laughs> Chicago Bears offense, which continues to struggle out here. You have a rookie a quarterback, a bad offensive line, not many playmakers mm. from a running back position and a wide receiver position. Now, Khalil Herbert did have 18 carries for 100 yards. Looks like a promising young running back, but you're getting nothing out of the passing game here. 184 yards, which is actually a massive increase on in what we usually get out of Justin Fields. But the simple fact is, Tampa Bay Buccaneers were in prevent defense for the entire second half. I don't know where you go from the Bears, but we talked about before the season. Matt Nagy probably not shouldn't have come back this year pace the gm probably shouldn't have come back this year and also let's take a look also ben at what you're looking at from the quarterback position they didn't want to put justin fields in this early they were hoping andy Dalton was going to play and then turn the keys over to the young franchise quarterback as things were moving well and he got to see his way around the nfl looking at the game yesterday when you saw justin fields so dejected every time he came off the field this is a disaster right now for the chicago bears
0: And, Donnie, they didn't want to put him in there because the offensive line is a shell of an excuse of an NFL offensive line. Justin Fields threw three interceptions yesterday one was truly truly bad but he was back up against the boundary of his own end zone the other ones were deflected or he was getting absolutely smoked and listen i'm a huge justin fields believer i'm a justin fields stan it might sound like i am bringing that biased perspective and rightfully so but he was i was counting yesterday donnie as i'm watching on my tv he had less than two or two and a half seconds every time he would get a snap and drop back to throw jason peters wasn't even getting a hand on jpp or Shaq barrett i mean they were getting to Justin Fields with three and four guys. It wasn't like these creative defensive blitz schemes out of Todd Bowles. You're right, Donnie. They were putting seven guys back there in the secondary and still getting to Justin Fields. He was getting absolutely smoked. And yes, there was a reason why he would walk off the field and lean his head back and say, why me? (laughs) This is really, really bad for that Chicago Bears offense. Five turnovers yesterday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And there was maybe a thought there was an edge because it was actually the Bears who had a better ATS record entering yesterday's game in Tampa, but the Bucks now three and one this year, ATS as a home favorite. They have been a double digit favorite at home three separate times. They have covered each and every one of those double digit spreads as they did yesterday, winning by 35, laying 12 and a half Also Tom Brady, like we mentioned, 600 regular season passing touchdowns in his career now, actually went over that because he threw. Four touchdowns yesterday against that Bears secondary. He has had four of seven games this year, Donnie, where Tom Brady has thrown four or more passing touchdowns. He is still averaging 43.3 passing attempts per game. So that's an area to target Tom Brady in the prop market moving forward. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus 750 right now to win the NFC South. The second longest odds to win any division in the NFC. Only the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East. Have longer odds as an odds-on favorite right now to win their respective division across the FanDuel sportsbook. So a great performance out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a 12 and a half point spread, they cover. A 16 and a half point spread for a revenge game from many different angles in Los Angeles yesterday between the Rams and the Lions. The Rams were a 16 and a half point home favorite over the winless Detroit Lions, and they got tested. Now, the Lions are still winless. The Rams won this game 28-19, winning comfortably, running out the clock late in the fourth quarter. But the Lions covered yet again. So Detroit winless this year, 0-7 straight up, but 4-3 against the number. There's something, Donnie Wright, for the Detroit Lions. Maybe, just maybe.
1: Yeah, there's a hard luck team right now, and it's the Detroit Lions. You know, Dan Campbell is trying to pull all the right strings, and it's amazing because when you steal a possession, sometimes, Ben, you can steal a football game. They stole like four possessions and they still almost lost by double digits, but they did get the almighty cover. When you take a look at some of the statistics that end the football game, and say, now let me get this straight here. You had all these onside kicks. You had all these crazy plays that went your direction. You had one running back run 12 times for 57 yards. You had another one go 13 for 48. You ran some of those trick plays where C.J. Moore gets a 28 yard run. And then you take a look at the wide receiver position, at least receiving yardage. Khalif Raymond had 115 yards. DeAndre Swift had 96. You're tight end at 48 yards, and yet you still didn't win this football game, which a lot you can take away, Ben, from how the Detroit Lions played. They're 0-7 for a reason here. But I looked more towards the Rams. The Rams won this game 28-19 to with all those things going against them and were still able to mm. pull out a win. That's a sign of a really good football team. Six and one Rams, six and one Buccaneers, maybe headed for that collision course here along with the Arizona Cardinals. There are some heavyweights out there in the NFC, but I always like to gauge the mark of a good football team is when you don't have your A game, things don't go your way, you still pick up these victories when you need them.
0: And when you think of that revenge game from a stat perspective, of course, Jared Goff going up against his former team in the L.A. Rams who shipped him away for Matthew Stafford against his former team, two former number one overall picks for those respective franchises. Sean McVay against the old quarterback in Jared Goff. From a stat perspective, Goff yesterday, 22 of 36, 268 through the air, a touchdown, but two interceptions. Meanwhile, Matthew Stafford, another great game for the quarterback in L.A., 28 of 41 Three three touchdowns. He has thrown three or more touchdowns, Donnie, in four of the seven games to the Rams this year, multiple passing touchdowns in six of the seven. And that connection and relationship between Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, as I like to call him, is as good as it gets in the NFL right now. Cooper Cup is almost an auto bet right now when it comes to the prop markets, whether it's total receptions or receiving yards. Because yesterday, 10 grabs, 156 yards, and two touchdowns. He was targeted 13 times. Cooper Cup is the leading receiver in the NFL, not only in total receiving yards, but also in targets. He has been targeted 81 times by Matthew Stafford. That is eight more than the next closest receiver, who is Devontae Adams, who's been targeted 73 times. By Aaron Rodgers. Cooper Cup is almost a blind auto bet right now. You could give me his total receptions, I'm probably taking the over. You could give me his receiving yards, I'm probably taking the over. You could make a case for an anytime touchdown score or even a longest receptions prop on Cooper Cup. He has been that phenomenally good for the LA Rams in that offense right now that you are seeing tooling in the right direction. One final note on the Detroit Lions, by the way, like we mentioned four and three ATS this year they have been a double digit underdog in five games this season or a touchdown or more underdog I should say in five games this season and they have covered as a touchdown or more underdog in four of those five instances so Detroit still winless but they have been profitable if you have backed them against the spread also in the NFC West yesterday Donnie a huge spread that closed closer to 19 and a half in favor of the Arizona Cardinals against the Houston Texans, but it did not matter. It opened at 17 and a half. It got all the way up to 19 and a half, and the Cardinals still covering and winning that game big against the Houston Texans, 31 to 5. Arizona remains unbeaten this year, the last remaining unbeaten team in the NFL, a perfect 7-0, and maybe even more impressive in a certain way, 6-1 against the number, covering by nearly 12 points per game at 11.8 points per game. That is the best cover margin in the NFL, Donnie, for any team against the number
1: this season. Yeah, you know things are going right for the Arizona Cardinals when they have a 20 and a half point line they have to cover. They don't even score in the first quarter, and they're down to 5 nothing. And there's no question in my mind, once this game got rolling, that they were going to blow the doors off of the Houston Texans and also, you know, keeping things in the right direction. Zach Ertz is a very good tight end. Saw so him in Philadelphia for many years. I never in my life saw Zach Ertz catch a football with that much yak on the ground and score a touchdown. He hasn't done that, to you know, four or five years combined in Philadelphia. But that's how things are running well. But also, Ben, I like to take a look, you know, and pour some out a little bit here for the Houston Texans. This is a phenomenal yeah. team to watch. Donnie, what are you kidding me? They scored five points. They barely moved the football. Did you see them last week? Yes. We are watching something that you might never see in the NFL again, and Kevin and I joke about it. It is a team that doesn't care about the scoreboard, doesn't care about the clock. They just want to get out of town here. I don't know where the upside is, and maybe we should be looking on the FanDuel Sportsbook to put Tyrod Taylor as the MVP of the league, which made this team a competent football team with David Mills, or excuse me, Davis Mills, a quarterback. What's the upside, Ben? Six points in a game? Incredible. Incredible
0: that might be the way to play the houston texans team total unders from here on out (laughs) until proven otherwise the texans donnie have been a double digit dog now four separate times this year they have only covered once it seems like things are getting worse and worse for the houston texans who again will be a double digit underdog this upcoming sunday a lot of chatter around the deshaun watson trade rumors where he might go that is something to monitor as the Houston Texans move forward. But he's not playing again for the Texans, and rightfully so. So when you look at Houston from a betting perspective, they are an automatic fade, even when a team like the Arizona Cardinals is laying 19 and a half, 20 and a half. It doesn't even matter how big the number gets. Arizona easily covering that yesterday at home against the Houston Texans. Meanwhile, when you look at the NFC championship market, it's still the Bucs who are the favorites at plus 250. Now the Arizona Cardinals are the favorites, the odds on favorites currently to win the NFC West at minus 185. The Rams at plus 175, the second shortest odds in that market. But it's the Rams who have better odds to win the NFC at plus 450. The Cardinals and the Packers there at plus plus. 500. Donnie, does that market look correct to you as things stand through seven weeks in the
1: NFL? Yeah, it does look correct to me because we have to keep in mind here, Arizona has not lost a game. The Rams have lost a game. The Rams lost at home to the Arizona Cardinals. So the Cardinals then de facto have that tiebreaker and also have their next game coming up against the Rams. where in Arizona. So it makes sense right now. You know, the cream will rise to the top. Arizona is a very good football team, but even though Arizona crushed the Rams, I still do have in my mind here that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Rams, to me, right now, are the two best teams in the NFC. But hey, Arizona 7-0, and that's the best record in football, and that's what you can lay your hat on there.
0: Arizona, the fourth best scoring offense in the NFL through seven weeks, averaging 32.1 points per game. Also the second best scoring margin, outscoring teams by nearly 16 points per game. Only the Buffalo Bills have a better plus scoring margin in their favor than do the Arizona Cardinals right now. So the Cardinals 7-0, straight up, the last remaining unbeaten team. Also 6-1 against the number. Very profitable, many different ways for the arizona cardinals meanwhile kyler murray plus 450 the second shortest odds to win the nfl mvp at the moment we round out our number one here on the morning after on the grid by asking you who has been a a disappointment this year the chiefs or the niners who's been a bigger disappointment we find out and fade the public that's next Rounding out our first hour here on the morning after on a Monday morning Sirius XM channel 204 all across the sports grid network I'm your host Ben Stevens and for the entirety of this first hour another edition of the early after we have been joined by one of the co-hosts of the early line Donnie Wrightside. so now after almost seven weeks of this NFL season there have been two teams in my mind that have been huge disappointments especially looking at where both of these teams stood entering the season the Kansas City Chiefs in the San Francisco 49ers. So who has been more disappointing in your eyes? Let's find out and fade the public. All right, Donnie, so that was the question. Who has been a bigger disappointment through seven weeks of this NFL campaign, the Kansas City Chiefs or the San Francisco 49ers? Unsurprisingly, The public is picking the Chiefs. This poll is still currently ongoing at SportsGridTV on Twitter if you want your input taken into account. But right now, the Chiefs dominating this poll, something they haven't done on the gridiron this year. Nearly 87% of the votes say the Chiefs have been the bigger disappointment over the San Francisco 49ers. Donnie, do you agree with the public?
1: I do agree with the public here, but I got to say, it it shouldn't be this overwhelming, though, 87%. This isn't like the San Francisco 49ers are picked third in the NFC West. They were picked to win their division and extremely struggling here, struggling worse than Kansas City. But I guess Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, the Super Bowls, you know, or the Super Bowl appearance and the Super Bowl win in the rearview mirror, the Chiefs should be so much better. But the public not giving any shot here to San Francisco being bad. And yes, San Francisco is
0: bad. I agree with you, Donnie. I think the Niners are getting slightly overlooked. We're the preseason favorites to win the NFC West. The best division in football at plus 184 also had the third best odds to win the NFC. I know the Chiefs were the favorites to win the AFC. The big favorites to win the AFC West. But the Niners have also been very disappointing. Donnie Wrightside, Donnie Seymour, each and every weekday morning leading into the morning after, along with our good pal Kevin Walsh on the early line, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. Donnie, we will talk very, very soon. As always, thank you for your time here on a Monday. Hour number two in the morning after rolls on after this.